not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Welcome to the Pursue Hard Things 0400 podcast. This podcast will cover a wide range of topics. My hope is to share some of my personal experiences, thoughts, ideas, and opinions to help all of us improve. This is a take it or leave it kind of podcast. Take what you need and leave the rest behind or share what you think others might need to hear with them. You may find that you leave something behind and later find that you need it for yourself. Either way, the goal is to help each other get the very best out of life, to thrive and not merely survive. I'm Sean McFadden, a patriot, a father, grandfather, and a husband of almost 30 years. I love God, family, America, and Jeeps. I have spent my life in the service of others and hope to use this platform in continuance of that service. I once heard Les Brown say, You don't have to be great to get started, but you have to get started to be great. So let's get started. For those of you not familiar with Pursue Hard Things, you're welcome to go out to my website, take a look at the videos, visit my YouTube channel, uh, and see my daily Instagram posts. But I'm just trying to do my part. I'm trying not to waste my miracle. Why a podcast? Why now? I'll tell you a little story and hopefully that'll help it all make sense to you. Well, last night, my wife and I arrived home. We had had a full day out uh, shopping, uh, working out, brunch, you name it. A full day and we had come in and I started experiencing this numbness in my face, but only the left side. If you could have taken a marker and drawn it right down the middle, only the left side of my face was was subject to this pain. First, it started as a tingling, almost as if I got injected in my lip with Novocaine and then up into my nose, uh, around my my sinuses. And then uh, the pain started to go in behind my eye and into my head. I thought about it for a a moment and I went downstairs and and my wife asked, hey, are you okay? And I think she saw the look of concern I had on my face. You know, I told her, hey, I'm having some pain. This is what it feels like. So when she asked me a bunch of questions, we tried to work through it. As she's talking to me, it it continues to worsen. I start feeling it into my teeth. It feels incredibly weird. We think, okay, let's go to the hospital. Um, We'll go to the ER and figure it out. Well, given my medical history, we don't take these things very lightly. So we decided to just go to the ER thinking, Maybe it'll, you know, the pain will subside. I'll feel better. It's nothing. So we, we get to the ER. We go in and notice that the waiting room is a little it's a little crowded, and I'm in pain, and the pain has been increasing. They take me back, and the lady asks, what's going on? I tell her. She says, okay, and then I give her this story. I said, well, look, the reason I'm concerned is in 2009, I had a brain aneurysm. And she asked, oh, okay, so did they clip it? What did, what did they do? And I said, well, that's the miracle. I said, I call it my miracle of 09. When they went in to find it, to isolate it, to determine what was next, it was gone. And she sort of looked at me and she said, well, it seems like somebody was looking out for you. And I said, well, I know they were. I know he was indeed. We waited and, you know, all this whole process took me back to that moment in 2009. They eventually got me back. I was waiting for about an hour and they, they got me into a room and the doctor came in and she looked at my charts and 
She said, I'm glad you didn't sit at home waiting around because you've had this neurological event in the past. We're glad you came in. So we'll get you checked out, figure out what we need to order and see what's going on. And I was thankful for that. Well, I'll take it back to 2009. 2009, uh, I had a conversation with one of my leaders and we were discussing leadership issues, taking care of soldiers. And we had agreed to uh, disagree. And I got off the phone and in that moment, it was a cell phone I hung up. Had it been a regular phone, I probably would have slammed it down. And immediately, I felt like I got hit by a thousand hammers. Uh, my head, just just excruciating pain, just erupted into excruciating pain. I called my wife and I said, hey. She said, hey, you okay? And I said, I think I need to go to the hospital. And she said, well, you know what? I'm already on my way home. Something told me to come home and check on you. So she she gets home. We immediately go to the hospital. And as we, we get there, and they put me in the uh, MRIs and scans, brain scans, and they don't see anything, and she comes back, and she says, we're going to do a spinal tap. Uh, she goes out. Um, they decide to put me into a room. They're going to admit me. They get me into a room, and the male nurse comes in. He holds my shoulders. The young doctor, young neurologist, she stands behind me. She taps in with this needle into my spinal canal or wherever you get it from. And she says, Blut, Blut, um, which is blood in German. I was overseas. I was stationed in Germany. And the male nurse started to uh, repeat, you know, Blut, Blut. So I knew that wasn't good. And I asked what was wrong. And the doctor put the test tube over my shoulder. And she said, you see this? This is supposed to be clear. And at that time, it looked like Robitussin. So uh, immediately, things sort of picked up from that point. During this time, D.D. is trying to help get me settled into this, probably doing administrative stuff with the hospital. And the young neurologist comes in. She's on the phone and she says, hey, my boss wants to talk to you. And she hands me this uh, cordless phone. And the voice on the other end is a female doctor. She's the head. She's a deputy neurologist. And she says, uh, Mr. McFadden, by the time you get out of your scans, I'll be there. I'm on my way right now. Uh, and I said, well, what is it? And she said, "There, well, we see um, malformation and we want to, you know, may need to go in and uh, get it and fix it. Didi walks in and I said, hey, can you tell my wife in German, auf Deutsch? And she says, sure. And I give Didi the phone and she takes it. And immediately I see her lose all color and she stops breathing. At that point, I'm thinking this might be bad and then she finally catches herself and she's looking at me and she says, okay, okay, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. I immediately think, now I know this is bad, right? Here here she is. She's looking in my eyes, but she's telling me it's going to be okay. So I know it's not good. They immediately rush me down to uh, scans again. This time they do with contrast and they, they kind of got an idea what they should be looking for. And they find this aneurysm in the center of my brain. Deputy Chief, she's there already. She beat me down there. She's like, we're going to find it, fly you over to uh, another hospital to do the procedure, but they'll open you up. They can clamp it or do whatever they need to fix it. For now, uh, we're going to take you upstairs and get some rest. It's a lot easier said than done when, when your brain's not bleeding. When you're the one, you know, in this moment, it's not exactly easy to get some rest. Going to the hospital just sort of had this feeling like don't go to sleep. Just felt like if I stayed awake and just kind of stayed through this, stayed aware, I'd be okay. They put me in a room and I start to pray. 
and I'm in an intensive care unit and there's a bunch of stroke victims and older patients in there. And they put me near the door because I'm just there temporarily. They're going to roll me right back out for this next procedure. They eventually come and they get me, but I'm praying and I know my mom's praying and I believe in God. It just grew up that way. I had a lot of strong people of faith in my life, grew up in church, and I'm asking God to please save me. Please not uh, let this be it for me. I know I'm not perfect. I've tried to live a good life, do right by people in everything I've done, giving my life in service. And in service to my country at that time, I was prepared to give my life uh, and pay the ultimate price if it came to it. But in this moment, uh, I just prayed and I asked God to to save me. And in that moment, he did. He gave me a miracle. He heard my, my prayers and probably the prayers of a lot of other uh, people there. And he saw fit to grant me this miracle. And I went in to the next procedure and they're going around. They're scanning around. They're trying to find this thing. And we're listening to some Metallica and just sort of rocking out in the the radiologist he's confused and he has this look um he's a bit surprised and he walks out and comes back in and he walks out and comes in and i said what's going on he's like i i I don't know and he's bewildered and he finally says look i've done this for 11 years and i've never seen anything like this before i see where it was but i don't see it blood is there but i don't see it it's not bleeding he goes out and talks, consults to with the neurologist, and I guess at some point they decide, okay, we'll patch this guy up and get him out of here. They roll me out. I spend the next 10 days in the intensive care unit being poked and prodded and stared at weirdly for hours on end because no one can seem to understand what has happened. And the neurologist, the head neurologist, great guy, he comes and he says, listen, he goes, he goes, I've been doing this for over 20 years. I've never seen anything like this. I've heard it happening, but I've never, never seen it. And uh, I don't know what to do. So the plan of action is then they'll monitor me with scans and they'll continue to do tests. So they, they let me go after 10 days. And I'm on a very light regimen for about a year. Basically, I couldn't do anything, nothing too strenuous. And I was still on active duty at the time. And then uh, in 2011, I retired and I came back to the States and got with Johns Hopkins and saw another neurologist and I scanned again. I would get scans every year until 2015 when the neurologist at Johns Hopkins said, look, unless you just like getting these MRIs and brain scans, go live your life. And I always knew I, I felt that I had gotten a miracle and it was God's presence that fixed that for me. But it would later be con- confirmed in 2017 while at a function, a gentleman sat down at a table next to me and Dee Dee, and, and he started telling us this story. And he said, you know, I'm I'm in the 2% of people that survive brain aneurysms. And we're both shocked as we listened to his story. And then Dee Dee says, that's exactly what happened to Sean. But it was in that moment that I knew. I knew it was now time to do something else. And to be better, it causes you to reflect. I can tell you in the moments following the aneurysm, it put life in perspective. I felt like I couldn't take things for granted anymore. We know we're not going to live forever, but you sort of feel like there's always a tomorrow. But in that moment, there were no guarantees. And that was very real. I had been deployed. I had been to combat. I had I lived a life, you know, in law enforcement where I had been on patrol and I had, you know, kissed my 
wife and son good night and gone out and not to know if, if I'd make it home safely again. I always believed I would. In that moment during that aneurysm, I, I believed that as long as I stayed awake, I would be okay. My scans from Sunday night's visit to the ER came back clear, nothing to be concerned about. The doctor suspects it was a sinus congestion on the left side, and it did not clear until the following morning. That whole ordeal reminded me not to take life for granted, and that's why now. So I'll continue to go out and pursue hard things. Again, you can go visit PursueHardThings.com to see what I post there. You join me for the next episode when it airs of the Pursue Hard Things 0400 podcast. I'll get into a little bit of how the name 0400 came about. And I'd like to discuss a post-traumatic stress disorder and veteran suicide and how I think we can overcome that and combat the uh, suicide rate. Well, this is Mac. Out.